Hanukkah is coming. Light up your Hanukkah with a free ticket to Israel. Eight nights, eight flights. Ura is giving away eight free tickets to Israel. Every day for the eight days of Hanukkah at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, we are raffling off one round-trip ticket to Israel. Eight free tickets in total. Just go to ura.org for your free chance to win. There's absolutely no purchase necessary. Plus, you get a bonus. For each friend that you refer to this raffle, you get an extra entry. So hurry before it's too late. Enter the eight nights, eight flights raffle now at ura.org. That's O-O-R-A-H dot org. Again, Ua, O-O-R-A-H dot O-R-G. Shalom, and welcome to all of you who love God, Torah, and Israel. This is Noahide Nations on IsraelNationalRadio.com. I'm your co-host, Jim Long, and over on the other microphone, Ray Patterson. Hi, Ray. Hello, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm doing fine. And, you know, really what makes this show a lot of fun to do is the kind of guests that we have coming up on today's show. He's a, a young Jewish man. He's in college. His name is Daniel, and he has developed a website called iHeartNoahides.com. And it's a resource that offers timely articles and news and other, well, even T-shirts and, and uh, all kinds of things, especially for Noahides and people who are interested in the Noahide world. And uh, I guess we should get right into it, Ray, because uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting interview. Daniel, welcome to the show. Uh, I know all the listeners are going to be very excited when they hear some of the things that you have to share with us today. But let me go ahead and jump right in here and start by asking you if you would be so kind as to tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I, I was raised sort of traditional around, um, you know, around the Jewish holidays, but not, not, certainly not where I am today, which is to say an observant, fully observant religious Jew. Um, I'm in my early 20s. And somewhere along the way, recently in my research, I think I was actually researching about um, the Sanhedrin, uh, or it's not really a, an official Sanhedrin, or, or high court, um, Jewish high court in Israel. I was researching that, and then I started reading about the Bnei Noach, the Noahides, and that's why I first got interested. Um, I plan to live in Israel as soon as I'm done with my studies here in America. Right. Um, to me personally, um, I think it's a, it's, every Jew has an obligation to strive to live in the Holy Land. Um, but I know that practically speaking, not everybody can just get up and go. Yeah, well, but so, young... yeah, so many of the, of the mitzvot uh, in, in the Torah, uh, so many of them start off with uh, the words, when you enter the land. Absolutely. And in fact, all of the mitzvot, are meant to be done in the land. Right. And some of some of the sages, some of the Jewish sages, even tell us that um, performing mitzvot today aren't even really performing mitzvot. It's more like keeping them alive until we can come back to the land and do it in the proper context. And don't you think that this is the one concept that that is so uh, to to me the the uh, inability to comprehend just what you're talking about is so pervasive today. Well, and it has been for centuries, the fact that uh, the laws of the Torah are, are very real laws for a very real nation, and those laws are applicable to that nation, just as the laws of America are applicable to Americans. Wouldn't you agree? 
Yeah, I would completely agree. Um, and that's a problem that we don't just have um, amongst non-Jews, not understanding the Jewish relationship to the commandments, but amongst the Jewish people themselves. Yeah. We, we struggle with it every day, um, having our own people really understand what is our purpose in, on, this, on this world and what is the, what is the, what is the mitzvah, what's the commandment. Because there's a lot of negativity and misconception about what, what God really wants from each of us. Daniel. Was there any single experience or set of experiences that was the catalyst for bringing you back to Torah? Oh, definitely. Um, I think that's actually a phenomenon that every person, Jew and Gentile, experiences as they return to Torah and return to God. And, I mean, of course, there's my initial experience, which I'll share with you in a moment, but uh, I think I've had that experience repeatedly and I hope to still have it throughout my life, which is to say it's like a light bulb goes on in a dark room, and you say, aha, that's, that's the direction in the room I need to go. And you go that way, and then another light bulb comes on, and you say, okay, next step, go that way. And you keep following, you keep following. And that's, that's really the, the, the path I see for myself. Um, so my initial, I was, um, I was a junior counselor at camp. I think I was in the 11th grade. And... Um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't into religion. I wasn't religious. You know, I was just Jewish traditional. But that was the first time I was in the counselor position, and and uh, me and a few guys thought, you know, these young kids are looking up to us. We really should be doing the right thing. So during the prayers, we started putting on tefillin, which is uh, I think the secular translation is phylacteries. Right. But it's uh, it's one of the most important mitzvot, especially for uh, Jewish male to do, and um, so I started putting on the tefillin and wearing the talit, the uh, garment we wear during prayer, and just doing that and actually deciding out of my own volition to pray, uh, I just, it, it, it sparked something inside of me that said, uh-huh, so, you know, my religion does have spirituality. It's not this trite, stale, ancient, in a negative way, uh, Piece of piece of garbage. It's Chas yeah. It's this beautiful, beautiful gateway to godliness. I and, didn't. I, you would, know, I wouldn't it, describe it that way back then. I just knew something interesting is happening here. Yeah, and I just pursued. And, and you know, we we we're, we're you know when you study Torah, uh, and I know you know this, Daniel. You you discover that you know the the naysayers and and even if you will the the, the people who who come from a sort a sort of uh, well let's say it the, an anti-Semitic strain. They they look at they look at the Jew performing his his mitzvot, and and they go look at look at that they're all caught up in ritual, but but isn't the the reality that that uh, and it seems like this was what really turned the light bulb on for you was the fact that uh, simply the the doing the physicality of being a Jew, of of performing the mitzvot, uh, and elevating every single thing you do to holiness is uh, it, what I'm getting from you is really what began to, to hit uh, home for you. Yeah, I think it's, I would liken it to putting a plug in a socket. So you, let's say you have 10 different sockets on a wall, but only one of them actually has electricity going to it. So, you know, before I started doing the mitzvot, I was studying Buddhism and some other Eastern philosophies, which I still respect uh, today and am involved in even in my professional life. But it was only the Jewish one that actually had the electricity, so to speak. And when I plugged it in, it's like, aha, you get this, you feel it. It, it kind of surges in your heart. Um, 
because the Jewish soul, it it knows because it came down down to this world knowing. Uh, so you you made tshuva, and so somewhere along the way you decided that that you needed to uh, reach out to the Noahide community. Can you explain how that happened? Before deciding to reach out to the Noahide community, I first decided to reach out to Jews, uh, my friends, family, anybody I meet. I'd try to not reach out in a um, in a conniving way, like, I don't really care about you. I just want you to follow my agenda. That's ridiculous. You have to come from a place of love that you know I want to give something to someone that is precious. So first you have an appreciation for the thing you want to give them. And then if they are receptive and if you can speak in their own language, because every single person has their own language, uh, then you can communicate and give over that gift after, after, you know, so I always have that. Every time I'm, I'm with um, Jews of different persuasions, that's kind of like I want to I give over that greatness. Um, but I started reading about the B'nai Noach, the Noahides, and I saw that, you know, rabbis, they have so many obligations. I'm not a rabbi, but rabbis have the obligation to their own family, and then they have an obligation to their own community, their local community, and then they have an obligation just to the general community of Israel. And then, if there's any time left, they can give over some of that time to, to the Gentiles who are also seeking Torah. But in terms of their obligation, that would be the categorization and, and the, the list of, of their obligations. I'm not a rabbi, so I don't have those obligations uh, as, as much. I do have a greater obligation to my family and, I, and probably to the Jewish community. Um, which I'm still giving to, but I saw that I do have room and, and a, a bit of knowledge that I could bring over to Gentiles who are seeking uh, the truth of Torah. So, um, well, you know, th- this is uh, this is what what uh, we often hear when when Ray and I are talking uh, to <laughs> to our friends in the rabbinical community. Uh, their their lament is that, that they simply have. Uh, so little time to deal with with uh, all of the issues that come up in in uh, being a shepherd to to their own uh, community, their own yeah. flock, if yeah. you will. And uh, so it's 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 great to see. But I mean, of course, you you know the thing is is that um, you, you know you talk to people out there uh, in, in the the other realms, as we call them, uh, other belief systems, and they often will will point a finger at, at uh, the Jews and say, uh, well, it says they're supposed to be a light into the nations. And then, of course, if they're, you know, again, I, I like to, you know, sort of paint them with that, uh, you know, they, they sort of have that anti-Semitic streak, even if they don't realize they have it. And they, you know, there are other faiths existent now that believe that they have taken up, you know, the, the role of light into the nations. But I know when I read your Torah, uh, given to your people at at Har Sinai, I don't see anything or any word or any text or any teaching that says that God ever abandoned the Jewish people. He warns them constantly through history, every time they fall away from their role, but He never abandons them. And I think what happens is that people uh, who are looking to to point the finger at the Jewish people, they they like to read those warnings and say, "See, this is where they fell away from from." Uh, their relationship with right, Hashem, right. but but God never abandoned them, right? Never no, abandoned of, of you. course not. Of course not. God God says in the Torah, you know, one place God says, "Don't do these things, or terrible catastrophes will happen." And then somewhere else, God says, 
no matter what, I will not uh, separate myself from the Jewish people because the covenant, the nature of a covenant is it's unbreakable. It's not dependent on things that can come and go or fade away over time. So God's relationship with the Jewish people is eternal. That's why in, in Jewish outreach we say, you know, you know, secular Jews who are making, um, giving a lot of money to programs like Birthright, to, they say, we want Jewish continuity. We're afraid that the Jew- Jewish people will, will die out if we have too much intermarriage. Religious Jews say, that's ridiculous. We know the Jewish people will live forever as a, as a nation. Amen. Uh, you know, the Holocaust was a horrific thing. Six million Jews were murdered. But we, we know that they weren't all going to be murdered. So we don't have the religious Jews see, read the Torah and say, yeah, we're not going to die out as a people. Jewish outreach is about helping the individual so that the individual does not get left out. Yeah, so I, I would say... Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I think anti-Semites, I, uh, from what I've observed, they don't really come seeking truth. They come with their own... Uh, they have their own perception and their own agenda. So they'll pick and choose the parts of Torah or the parts of their own texts and say, see, my what I think, what I believe, all makes sense. Here's how I can prove what I come up with with your text. So yeah. it's not really seeking truth. It's seeking their own agenda. By the way, if you've just tuned in, I, I have to tell you that we're listening. Uh, you, you're listening to an interview with uh, with Daniel, who is the developer and creator of the website, which is called iheartnohides.com. Did I get the address right, Daniel? Yeah, that's right. Okay. It's uh, and, it's and play on, you know those I Heart, I Heart New York or I Love New York. <laughs> right. And, uh, and you did it because, let me ask you, uh, how did you come up with the name for the website? Um, I feel that it encompasses my goals, which is, well, it says, I heart Noahides, embracing the Noahide world through Torah and friendship. So one of the earlier posts I did on the blog, uh, which anybody can read if they want, um, if you search in the search bar the word uh, mitzvah or ahavat Yisrael, you'll come across a two-post piece I wrote on the obligation of a Jew to, to love and um, have a certain type of relationship towards Gentiles and all of creation in general, um, which would then lead to his love and obliga- the obligation he has to love his Jew. Uh, let, me say it, let me say it over a little more clearly. So Jews have an obligation to love their fellow Jew. And one of our great rabbis in the 20th century, early, well, 19th and 20th century, was Rabbi um, Abram Cook who is a, a big rabbi in Israel. Sure, yeah. And he says that um, in order for a Jew to fully love his fellow Jew, he has to first, I'll read it out to you exactly what he says, the love must be completely full in one's heart. The love of the entire, first, the love of the entirety of creation, afterward the love of all of mankind, and after the love of mankind, the love of Israel, which is a love that includes everything above, since Israel are destined to rectify the entirety of creation. And he says it has to be a practical love, not just like a conceptual, oh yeah, you know, I love people. So when, I, when I'm on the subway, or if I'm on a train, or if I'm on an airplane, or if I'm on a bus, I try to speak to people, because that is a practical way of loving someone, is to give ear to what they have to say, or to speak with them, uh, even just about the weather. So a blog that can disseminate Torah and answer questions when people have questions. I've gotten a few emails, try to answer them. And that is a practical love that has 
I, I, I know for me it's helped me uh, grow a greater love for my fellow Jew and for mankind in general. And I also try to bring, um, I'm into poetry, so I, I sometimes bring a couple poems or something that will hopefully engender a love of creation as well. You know, Daniel, I was just thinking back to when I first started building the Noahide Nations website. And most people out there don't really understand truly just how much time and energy and finances you know go into a project such as this. And more importantly, how critical it is with the content that we're providing about the truth of Hashem and His Torah, it's absolutely critical that it be done properly. So it almost compounds the amount of work and the energy that goes into this. And I know one of the underlying questions that I had throughout the entire process was, how are people going to respond to this website? I mean, when I turn it on, am I going to need to pack up the wife and move into a cave? Or uh, do I need to hire a bodyguard? Should I mount a watchtower up on my garage? I mean, that was a question that just plagued me throughout the whole process. And unfortunately, you never have your answer to that until it's live and people are actually accessing the site. So I wanted to ask you, Daniel, with your website, what kind of response have you gotten to iHeart Noahides? So the numbers, the stats are public. They're right on the sidebar of the website. It says total visits since July 1st have been 2,000, about 2,500, um, which is not, you know, it's not this exorbitant number of people. But uh, what is remarkable is that it's people all around the world. Um, and what I gathered from the different Noahides I spoke to, uh, some you know, there's a, Yahoo, a couple Yahoo groups um, out there. Is that there's really a, a great dispersal dispersal of of, of these uh, of the Noahides. And one thing that I, I hear people wanting is to have a community or, or many communities. So um, I got this little map here of the visitor locations, and you see it's scattered across the world. So hopefully, one of my goals with the website and anybody who makes a website uh, on this topic should be to c connect people um, and give a sense of community uh, or at least like a place to go to a resource. Um, another interesting response I've gotten was uh, interesting places that people have come from to see the website. Uh, yesterday, somebody came from Saudi Arabia. Wow. Of all places. Of all places. <laughs> okay. Um, um, there's somebody I was in communica communication with from um, Iran, Iran. Um, so that I thought that was interesting, and she actually emailed me, and um, she told me that she had she, she was so happy to find the website, um, and it really uplifts her. And she was telling me that um, she has a parrot in her house, and that in her home, you know, this is an African parrot, African gray parrot. Um, that one of my friends had that type of parrot, so I know what, what kind it is. And they really pick up on, on things they hear, and they start mimicking what they hear. So for my friend growing up who had this parrot, the parrot started saying, David, go to your room, because <laughs> that's what he heard in the house so often. So in this, in this Noahide's house in, in Iran, she said the bird has started saying, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, <laughs> which... Uh, it is Hebrew for thank God. Yeah, thank, thank God. God. Exactly. Boy, I, I hope she doesn't get in trouble. Uh, you know, well, I mean, you know, from what I hear, because I do have some relatives uh, who came from Iran, 
they the culture the culture there you know the the, the younger generation is so disenchanted from this radical islam that uh they don't think it's going to last so much longer and and that's what this I, this lady sim, seemed to uh, imply the same thing this is amazing that you're getting these kinds of responses and uh how how do you reach i mean from your website do you try to personally answer uh, all the inquiries you get or do you uh, uh in fact what i'd like what would be interesting is and you've touched on it a little bit uh, what, what's the, the basic format of, of iHeart uh, Noahides? Is it simply where people can go and interact, or do you post news items? or What, what, what do people encounter um, when they find iHeart yeah. Noahides? Mostly I just try to put up my thoughts on Torah that I feel are more universal and not necessarily. Because, you know, sometimes I come up with a word of Torah that I, I know only Jewish people are going to really be able to get it or, or relate to it. So those I save for other other areas or other people or other places, but um, I try to bring Torah, aspects of Torah that I think all people could relate to and benefit from, and that's what I'll post on the blog, or other things, sometimes current events. Um, I posted a couple of things about the Mumbai terrorist attacks, um, and it's just like a regular blog, but what's different than just posting information is I have a frequently asked question section. Um, you know, question: How should how should a Noahide observe the Sabbath, if at all? What are the seven Noahide laws? Why are Christians in general turning to Judaism with their questions? Um, and and I I personally am a descendant of a of a convert, uh, so that in itself I think is an underlying uh, that that comes with me as I'm putting my energy in here, just because uh I, I appreciate the searching for actual truth that that relative of mine did. You know, Ray, before I forget, I wanted to mention some of the items that uh, Daniel sells on his website, uh, T-shirts and et cetera. But the, the T-shirt that I particularly love uh, is a uh, it shows a hand grabbing the the seat seat, the, the fringes on the corner of a tallit and at the and then the under under that it says hold on tight, and of course then it, it says uh, under that phrase it says Zechariah eight twenty three, and of course if you know that uh, particular verse in the Tanakh it says the the Lord who rules over all says in those days ten people from all languages and nations will grab hold grab the robe of a Jew and say, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And I think that's a particularly appropriate T-shirt for uh, a Noahide to wear. And uh, that's just one of the things you ought to check out on his website, Daniel. It's it's a great T-shirt. Well, we have to take a short time out, but stay with us right here on Noahide Nations. We'll be back on the other side of the break to continue our conversation with Daniel, creator of the website iHeartNoahides.com. But uh, we'll be back after this on IsraelNationalRadio.com. You know, prayers here at the Western Wall just seem so much more powerful. But not everyone can get here. Now you too can pray at the wall no matter where you are with Western Wall Prayers. 
Western Wall Prayers will employ a full-time Torah student to pray on your behalf or on behalf of a loved one for 40 days straight at the wall. If you need a special prayer for income, children, or healing, visit westernwallprayers.org. Welcome back to Noahide Nations on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Along with Ray Patterson, I'm your co-host, Jim Long. As he walked home from Yeshiva, a sound reached his ears. Clear and majestic, unmistakably near. Joy filled his heart, he's finally That, by the way, is the music of Ari Goldwag. He's a young performer who lives in Eretz Israel and has a lot of fine music, and that's his latest recording. It's called Finally Here. Uh, Ari is offering that song as a free download because he wants everybody to hear it, and you can go to his website at Ari Goldwag. That's A-R-I-G-O-L-D-W-A-G.com and download it for free. Where is our hope, our faith, our pride? Where's the desire, the love deep inside? When we say we want men of it to come, we can't fool ourselves or the Holy One. Where is our hope, our faith, our pride? love that song. Again, it's called Finally Here, uh, composed and performed by a young man by the name of Ari Goldwag. He lives in Eretz Israel, has a whole collection of great albums, and that particular one, as I said a moment ago, he is uh, allowing people to download it for free at his website, arigoldwag.com. She Thanks for joining us once again for the last half of Noahide Nations. Jim Long, along with Ray Patterson, we're talking with Daniel, a young college-age student who has created a website called iHeartNoahides.com, and it's a resource for those who want to learn about the concept of the seven laws, the Sheva Mitzvot. And by the way, if you don't know what they are, they have been passed down to us by the Chazal, the sages, uh, for centuries they were first given, uh, six of them, to Adam, and the seventh was given to Noah after the, the flood. And those uh, seven laws uh, are against idolatry, against blasphemy, against murder, theft, against sexual immorality, against uh, eating the limb of a living animal, and finally a positive commandment 
to set up courts of justice. So uh, let's get back to our talk with Daniel today. And uh, Daniel, we talked about this uh, a little earlier off the air, uh, the, the idea of, of opening up the study halls and the um, yeshivas or even even the uh, synagogues to Noahides. Do you think this is an idea that would work, or do we have to go after a more balanced approach for those who are genuinely seeking to learn Torah? So I would say there are two issues, um, and then I also would like to discuss the concept of a light unto the nations and what that means. So sure. first, the two, the two issues I would say with um, that a, a, a Gentile will come with if they, if they say to a, their local Orthodox rabbi, you know, can I come to synagogue? I want to learn. I want to sit in on your classes to your community. So that's, practically speaking, uh, that's not, that's not going to fly because the Jewish people uh, are what's called an Am Kadosh. Kadosh in Hebrew is holy, means holy. Um, if you, you know, Rabbi Noach Weinberg of Asha Torah, uh, he says you have to ask yourself, what does this word mean? Holy. Or what does the word love mean? Or what does the word word charity mean? You have to define these words for yourself. And what do they mean? Uh, finding their meaning can then lead you to understanding um, how to respond to them. So the word holy in Hebrew it actually means separate. Yeah. Um, so God, who is holy, is separate because there's nothing like God. So the Jewish people yeah. are also holy, and they are supposed to be separate, um, separate from the nations of the world. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a tragedy of our time that more Jews have been lost to assimilation than were killed in the Holocaust because of a lack of understanding and appreciating this, uh, our nature as, as needing to be separate uh, to a certain degree. And the rabbis, um, uh, 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 they set up regulations and rules and boundaries for Jews so that they would be able, so that we would be able to preserve um, this proper, healthy balance of separation, while also allowing us to interact on certain levels. Because you have, you know, in your practical life, you're going to be doing business with uh, your, your with um, your fellow human being. You're gonna you're gonna have neighbors who are not Jewish if you um, don't live in in the Holy Land, or even if you do, you might have non-Jewish neighbors. So, how, so there are regulations and rules and, and guidelines for how a Jew is supposed to interact with the non-Jewish world. And so the first issue is we don't want to have uh, such mingling that assimilation would result. And you might think, oh, assimilation, you know, it's not like my son's going to marry this Jew's daughter. But if you have a community of um, Bnei Noach that are mixing with a community of Jews over many years, Friendships will come about because that's the nature of human beings is to build friendship. But uh, it, it could lead to um, unhealthy mingling. So I would say the first issue is just having a healthy separation. And the second issue is, um, and, and the way to do that, the healthy separation, um, I mean, it has to be a thought-out way. How, so how can we bring Torah to, to, to B'nai Noach in, in a way that will satisfy the need for them, for the Noahides, to learn Torah, but also our need to remain our, re, re, uh, retain our status as separate and, um, and our own people. That's the first issue. The second issue is that if you're, if you're a Gentile and you call up a rabbi and say, teach me Torah, there are so many missionaries and messianic 
quote-unquote Jews who aren't really Jews uh, and have their own agenda, that a rabbi is going to be skeptical just because of our own experience. Sure. So the second issue is that the number of missionaries far outweighs the number of Noahites that are going to be calling up a rabbi to say, teach me Torah, because a rabbi has to be and, and will be just skeptical just simply because of our own experience. Um, you know, a, a person comes and says to a rabbi, oh, I want to sit in on your class. Okay, yeah. are, you, are you Jewish? No, uh, uh, I was raised Christian, and now I just want to read Torah. It's, it, you have to have a, a level of skepticism because there's such a danger so many Jews have been uh, away, torn away from the Torah and from their own community by, by these missionaries, even in the Holy Land, um, especially by Jews who uh, are the Jews who were pulled out of Gaza, who are in a emotional have emotional imbalance because of, they, of their yeah. trauma. They're being um, targeted by the missionaries. So, well, it's it's uh, it's illegal in Israel, isn't it, to missionize? It is illegal. It is illegal. But you know, like everything else in this world, there's politics, and they have a lot of money the missionaries, so, you know, they can pay off whoever needs to be paid off to allow them to yeah. uh, do their, their proselytizing, unfortunately. What do you, let me ask you, that, I mean, this, because this is a very practical thing, a, a issue that we face here, and I, I definitely don't find any disagreement with you, because, you know, obviously you're speaking from uh, the, a place of Torah, and, and so what do you think a, a non-Jew, a, a Noahide specifically, could tell a rabbi uh, you know, put yourself in the place of the rabbi um, who who did want to study earnestly with uh, study Torah, uh, because I'm I'm seeing that what will happen is they might even might even make separate classes for Noahides in the future. Uh, of course, I'm a little more optimistic than you are. Uh, assimilation is always a danger, uh, but the, you know, on the other hand, you know, the other the other might happen. Uh, many of them might end up converting. So, <laughs> right, you know. But what, what well, do you think? A, what do you think a Noahide could could tell a rabbi? Who, it's, a, it's a wonderful question. What could a rabbi? What could a Noahide say to a rabbi to ensure the rabbi that they are coming from a genuine place of wanting to do the seven mitzvot? So, first of all, I would say they should mention that they they are striving to follow the seven laws of Noah that they understand that other faiths are not in line with the Torah and they're trying to find what is really true. Then they should also mention that they're not associated with any organization uh, or any other church. Um, you know, if they still go to a church, that's fine. But not to say, you know, <laughs> if they ensure the rabbi, they're not coming from an organization, that automatically says this is an independent person. Um, well, Daniel, now that I think about it, and I think Ray would uh, agree with me, this situation has been anticipated already, and I think we may already have a solution if uh, the rabbinical community at large would accept this as a way for Noahides who are honestly and who are uh, in a very genuine uh, fashion are seeking to learn Torah uh, with a rabbi or or possibly uh, ask a rabbi to set up a, an extra class at their shul or their synagogue, or in some cases to even join a class uh, uh, of others. Uh, we do know of Noahide communities already that do have uh, rabbis that are teaching them 
and these are geared, of, of course, especially to Noahides. But what I was getting at is the fact that we uh, already have uh, in our possession, uh, we have a Noahide declaration. And many of our listeners who are longtime Noahides have already stood before a bait den and declared that they understand the Sheva Mitzvot, the seven laws, and that they will uphold those seven laws. So I would think that would be, in, in a way, a form of credentials that uh, any Noahide could present to a rabbi uh, in a way of saying, look, I want to learn with you or with your shul or help us set something up and know that this is a genuine person seeking to uh, to learn. And I, I think I think the declaration, the declaration itself would probably solve the, the second of the two issues I mentioned, which would be uh, the pro, you know the issue of skepticism over whether the the, the nature of this person's um, coming to the rabbi. Right. But the first issue of needing to have a healthy level of separation would have to come from where do we set up this study hall. I don't. I don't think any rabbi would be comfortable doing that in their synagogue's uh, own facilities. But I would say, uh, my my own synagogue that I grew up in often held. They still do. Sometimes they rent out a facility, just a local community facility. You know, um, that anybody in the whole neighborhood can can rent out for lectures or for presentations. And so sometimes there's no room in the synagogue. We have lectures in that place. I don't see what the problem is with a rabbi or maybe not the rabbi, but some of the more learned members of the con- con- congregation who wouldn't be prone to falling into the wrong types of relationships with Gentiles, they could come out from the synagogue and, and, and give lectures um, in a rentable facility. Yeah, That would be a practical solution to the first issue. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you've touched on a lot of good ideas, and I hope people will, who are listening will, will take them to heart because we, we do have to find a workable solution because there are... Uh, we, we get contacted all the time by Noahides who don't know other Noahides in their area or their region, but they do know of a rabbi or of, of a synagogue. So there is a third thing I wanted to mention, which was the concept of the Jews as a light unto the nation. So what does that mean? You know, um, I, I think there are two main ways that this occurs, uh, the Jews being a light unto the nation. The first is the main one we've seen up until now in history, which is, um, it's an osmotic uh, way that the Jews are led into the nation, which is to say that just by being ourselves, we don't even have to interact with the rest of the world, but just living as the way the Torah asks of us over time, over a long period of time, you get to see that these, these are people who are living a truth that is uh, sacred. And I, and I think Mark Twain wrote, I don't know, I don't know the exact, exact quote off the top of my head, but he said something about the Jews being something eternal that is proof of God because we've been around for so long and we've kept the same exact Torah for so long. That would be an example of osmotically being uh, a light unto the nations, that our truth by living it and being an example has spread, simply spread to the world without really having a mechanism um, like an interview or a book, uh, like some, some new book someone could write. That, that's the first way. The second way is more direct, which has only really been able to happen recently because uh, America uh, is such a wonderful place for the Jewish people and has really given us security uh, and safety to practice our, our life, our, our lifestyle. So now we start to see this phenomenon of, of Noahides. 
and also just having the state of Israel has also allowed us to have a more direct communication uh, of the truth that we live. There was one example of, of direct communication of the Torah um, in history from, from Jews to Gentiles, and that was uh, is encompassed in a book called the Kuzari. Oh, um, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's the historical... Uh, it's a it's a, a whole nation that basically they converted yeah yeah they converted to Judaism um, after a rabbi uh, had a lengthy discourse with the king of of the Khazars and um, uh, that so that was would be an example of direct uh, uh, relationship but I really think it's only something new that's been able to be to be happening is this direct communi- communication like we're having right now and I see it as this is the next phase of the light unto the nation. So the past two or three thousand years has been the Jews just living their life as an example, and whoever has the, the clarity to look at that example and take from it what they can, that's what we've done. But now I see coming into the era of redemption, it's going to start to be this more direct thing. So we might not be able to have rabbis right now in droves teaching the nation because the rabbis are just struggling to keep their own people intact, but you start to have... Um, regular Jews out there reaching out to, to uh, directly to the world. And that's, that's the light. And I would say a piece of Torah on the, the light unto the nations, if, if you look at the structure of the temple um, that, that was in, in Jerusalem, the windows, it actually had windows in it, except these windows weren't made like any other window. Right. They had, they had a... A, um, a smaller opening on the inner side, on the inside, and a larger opening on the outside. So if you were outside of it, you saw this big window. If you're on the inside, you small, saw a smaller, like a small window. Yeah, like so, a like a modern day speaker box almost. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So if you can visualize that, it's like a modern day speaker box. And what that tells us is that the Torah, is, that the Jews live. It emanates from the temple out into the world. That's a light that comes out into the world. Today Man. you have. Uh, you have a window in your house, and the light comes into your home. But the purpose of the temple, which uh, contains the Torah, is for the Torah's light to spread out into the world. And by living that, we can, we as Jews can be a light unto the nations, either uh, osmotically, as an example, or directly, if we, if we have the tools and the ability, we can directly be a light unto the nations. You, you mentioned earlier in our conversation that you plan to make Aliyah, um, do you plan to continue with the website uh, when when you do travel and, and make your home in Israel, Eretz Israel? Um, I hope I'm able to. Um, of course, I just you know, knowing I'm not a prophet, <laughs> I don't sure. know what will be in the future. Uh, I don't even. I know I do feel that the redemption is very imminent. I don't know how that will affect my ability to do such things. Um, nor do I know. No, we don't know these things. But at the moment. Um, I'm able to do it. I, I, I mean, I hope that next semester I'll have enough time because <laughs> I know that next semester in school I'll be a lot more busy than I was this semester. Now, so. can you can you tell everybody what you're what you're you're, ta- you're doing your master's in? Um, I'm studying uh, medicine. Medicine. Okay. Daniel, you and I have never met personally, but after having this discussion and listening to you speak the way that you have. I can only hope and pray for Hashem's mercy that one day you and I will be able to meet in person so I can shake your hand and and give you a big old hug. And I probably already know the answer to this, but tell me, Daniel, do you have a lot of Noahide friends? 
That's a great question. I don't think I've ever met um, a Noahide in person. The closest would be uh, Christian friends of mine who say, you know, there's too many questions here. Something's not right. Um, you know, what is, I, I read the I read the Old Testament, and or they might they might be sensitive enough to say the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, and the Tanakh, if they even know Hebrew. And they, uh, you know, someone in my school the other day said came up to me and was expressing to me her frustrations and and philosophical questions. And uh, and she was of the, of the Christian faith, but I wouldn't say she was Noahide because she didn't even know. You know, she didn't even know about this. Um, so I, I mean, it's not like I'm wearing a T-shirt every day that says, "Come talk to me about <laughs> about Torah if you're a Gentile with questions." So they can go to the website. It's I Heart uh, Noahides N O A H I D E S dot com. That's the blog. Well, it sounds to me like you're you're a young man who who is uh, who's studying medicine, who who has a heart to reach out and heal people, and I and I think that uh, if uh, I think you've demonstrated you have a heart to to help, you know, if you permit me from being very broad and grand here, heal the nations, because because it's going to be your Torah and your people who are going to bring that about, and uh, I know I agree with Ray that that uh, I appreciate. Uh, you doing something like this. Daniel, thanks so much for being part of our Noahide Nation show here today. It's absolutely wonderful to be able to meet with you. And I, I, I think it's just a remarkable job that you're doing. And you're a remarkable young man. And please continue doing the mitzvot that you're doing. Uh, Ray, I guess we're, we've really used up a lot of our time to talk to Daniel, but it was, it was a, I think, a valuable use of our time. But before we get out of here, we don't want to forget to tell everybody uh, how they can contact us uh, and, and ask questions or uh, maybe make comments or, or about the show right here on Israel National Radio. And uh, if they want to write to us, Ray, how do they do that? First of all, let's remember Daniel's website. It's iheartnoahides.com. And if you'd like to send us comments on today's show or any shows or ideas, you folks have just been wonderful in sending us your emails. Please continue to send them to noahide, N-O-A-H-I-D-E, at israelnationalradio.com. And because time's running short, we're going to go ahead and bounce right on out of here. My name's Ray Patterson. It was a pleasure to be with you. And for Jim Long, you all have a great week. We'll catch you next week. And until then, always remember, look to the heavens for Hashem's help. Because, my friends, Hashem is always looking out for you.